out there and welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery. It's the podcast where we're watching the movies that you tell us to. I am your host, John. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jeff. Hello there. I don't know why I said that as a question, like as if you wouldn't be Jeff. Well, I, I think it might be that you didn't know whether or not I was going to barge in and start talking at that exact moment. Oh, I always know you'll barge in and start talking. Don't worry. <laughs> it's a safe assumption. And this week, we are, by bribed demand, watching Ready Player One. <laughs> uh, did you know you could bribe us? I didn't know until this time either. <laughs> oh, yeah. We've had, I think, one other bribery so far where someone is like, no, fuck you, do this movie. Yeah, yeah, so it turns out you can bribe us, we just don't put those prices online because we're very interested to see how much we can get. Ah, every so just time keep trying. someone asks, it will go up. <laughs> just keep try- trying and see if you can guess. Ah. It's a dollar. So, <laughs> Ready Player One, uh, oh, probably, I assume you have heard of this, mm-hmm. it is the book that I don't want to say is a love letter to uh, like 80s pop culture as much as it is just a reference list of pop culture from the 80s. I don't know. I've never read the book, but the movie feels less like a love letter and more like homework. Like they're just, oh, like they don't even care. They're just like, oh, we got to list as many 80s things as fast as we can. Like they're playing a board game or something. I mean, it, that is more or less what the book is. Yes. I have not read the whole thing, but every time I've looked at a snippet, it's just, hey, let me list off every single thing that I can know about one thing so they're like oh yes uh they're talking about i don't know john hughes movies let me list all of them in this movie there's a section where they do john hughes movies trivia and it's painful because it's just some sort of like hipster goalpost test that two people are firing at each other and the whole time you're just like who gives a fuck what is wrong with all you asshole uh so yeah this is uh Neither of us have read the book, so of course, going in, we will just be measuring this based on the movie's strength. That's which, correct. God knows, I, you know, no spoilers, we'll get into that new a bit, but I have to imagine, like, I have to imagine that this is better than the book. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've read reviews of the second book, where they're like, oh, they tried to fix all the stupidest shit in the first book, and they didn't quite get there, so I'm like, okay... No one likes the book either, apparently. Well, I mean, it's one of those properties that's basically like, this is meant to appeal to very lowest common denominator of, I know what that is, and that's about it. Yeah, and it's more than that, because there's, sure, those kinds of things tend to exist, but this is a movie, this is literally a movie where everyone in it is rewarded for trivia knowledge. That's just the whole movie. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, uh, the actual overall message, which I think I'll just save towards the end, but man, it really feels like the sort of message that you get out of this film is very conflicted. Yeah. Oh, God. Is it, Well, the, the problem is it's a celebration of pop culture. It's an MMO isekai type, or isekai, or whatever, how that word's pronounced, movie. But it's also made by old people who do not understand any of how those things work. It's, uh, it's very weird. And also... Like a lot of movies, it's got a nasty case of T.J. Miller. There's a cream for that. You gotta, it's easy to fix. Don't cast T.J. Miller. He's a weird dirtbag. I mean, he is. Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say he is. Yeah. So there he you go. He definitely Just... works for the character that he is in this. Yes. Still. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, boy, are we ever going to get into the weeds on how this whole MMO society operates. That's, oh, yeah. I, I mean, gotta honestly, warn you right jumping now. Into the, 
jumping into the spoilers early is not because there's a lot of plot to cover as much as there is so much to debate about this there's so many questions uh all right so we are going to play a little music we will be back with the full spoilerific review of ready player one she's seen all the classics she knows every line breakfast club pretty and pink even saint elmo's fire she rocked out to wham not a big limp biscuit All right, we are back, and by God, both of us are just champing at the bit to get all up in this. Oh, I can't wait to get all up on. Oh man, right from the uh, right from the might as well jump intro. I God damn it! Everything in this movie, it's very strange because it's it's Spielberg directing and it's Sylvester doing the score. Mm-hmm. So you've got two very good, very accomplished people behind it, and to their credit, by God, they are doing the best they can with this. Oh, this is a fantastic Universal Studios theme park ride, is what is what this is. Uh, the, the fact that there's a plot is largely incidental, but for the moments when the movie just kind of pulls away from the asshole main character and his, his awful situation, and, and boy, is he ever a Harry Potter... And, and it's just like, you know what, fuck it, here's Optimus Prime kicking a space marine. Then you're like, great, it's good for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, they did their job. They got very good-looking graphics for a lot of this. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they did a good job with the score as far score's as... Score's fantastic. You know, doing a good job blending original with a lot of references to the movies that are yeah. referenced in there. But by Soundtrack. God... Well curated as well. I mean, it's a it's a collection of '80s and, and '90s hits that are early '90s hits you'd expect. Yep. So there's a lot to like. I mean, ultimately, this movie is going to fall under that category I usually have for very modern movies that they can only there's so much money in them and so many hundreds of people working on them that they can only be so incompetent. Oh yeah. I mean, once you put enough money and enough talented people behind something, regardless of how very idiotic the source material is, you're still going to get something that's more or less watchable. Yeah, you're never, like, in, unless you're watching indie weirdo stuff like your Birdemic or your The Room or whatever, you're you're not going to see another plan, from, plan 9 from Outer Space or whatever ever again, because there's just too much money and too many lives riding on every one of these fucking juggernauts. Oh, yeah. And I, I guess there's cats. Uh, <laughs> cats cats breaks every rule. Cats is cats is its own very wonderful thing, and you can hear us review that uh, in an earlier episode. <laughs> it breaks every human law. Oh, God. All right. So our main character is Wade. Wade. About 200 pounds. Uh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, okay, we're done. <laughs> uh, all right, we're done. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Wade Watts, not Wade Wilson. Don't get confused. He is not Deadpool. Yeah, God knows throughout the entire movie, I was like, what is his name again? Wade Wilson? No, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, we get established to what the world is through Wade Watts, because uh, as Might As Well Jump is blasting over the stereo system, we get an introduction. It's 2045. He lives in Columbus, Ohio. Poor people live in trailers that are stacked on gantries above other trailers now. Which, by the way, not only is that ridiculously deadly and dangerous, but also not even cost-effective. Like, it's yeah. if you took the amount of 
scaffolding and infrastructure, and then also the cost of all of those trailers, someone could just be like, I built a giant, like, no-frills concrete apartment building, and it would be way better and easier to do. I mean, visually, it's very distinct. I mean, it, it feels very stupid because ultimately, you know, he lives on like the seventh floor of, of trailers stacked on gantries and they're not like smartly done. It's not a stacked rectangle where the trailers are lined up a- adjacent to each other. No, it's some like hook treehouse bullshit where to get down from his house, he has to take a bunch of various ropes and slides and things. Oh, yeah. The whole Which, th- as soon as he did it the first time and he was like, all right, I'm going to go down like this ladder and then I'm going to jump over from like this ledge over to this guy's thing. And then I'm going to slide down this chute. I'm like, one, how are you getting back up? And two, how is anyone that is not like actually very healthy and able bodied going to live anywhere in here? Yeah, that's I mean, ultimately, I think the problem you're getting here is that this is the only people's home that you get to see in the film obviously there's going to be an ultra rich upper class who lives in nice houses not in columbus or whatever uh so we get to see this bizarre shanty town that makes no sense Uh, it would it would be a lot cheaper and a lot more cost efficient to build apartments than to take wheeled vehicles and stack them on gantries like just all haywired bizarre and make people live out robinson crusoe scenarios to get around in them Oh, yeah, especially given that the first time a, like, high wind blows through, those motherfuckers are coming down. Yeah, yeah, and and I assume they all have ho- toilet hookups and everything. Any, if anything, it would just be more efficient to stack these things next to each other as opposed to spiraling them around on top of each other like this. Yeah, but, you know, whatever. Whatever. That's That's... That's the intro, and he's like, okay, it's 2045. Columbus is the fastest-growing city in the world. A couple of major events happened that sound relatively dystopian enough, like the Bandwidth Wars, and uh, I forget the other one. Uh, yeah. But there were, there were just a couple of horrible but obvious pop culture reference things happened, and now we all live in bizarre obscurity. But there's one video game that everyone plays, and because we don't understand the basic concept of coming together as a group to make something, it was made by one genius. Yeah, this entire thing, the Oasis, that is Mm -hmm. central, like, driving force in this society, and is gigantically large, having just an unimaginable amount of content in it, and, like, various amounts of places to go, things to use, and it's... It's one of the things where you're like, oh, I guess by 2045, like it may have started out as, oh, this is one company's project and it's the baby of one dude. Okay, I guess. Mm -hmm. But they're like, oh, no, this motherfucker built the whole thing. No, he did not. (laughs) No, great man theory. He will Willy Wonka this shit. And you're like, no, please don't do that. That's that's such a narrow and shallow version of how video games are constructed or how any media are constructed. Who are you fucking kidding? There are like 700 people in the credits for this movie. Yeah. It's just... obvious. <laughs> it, it can't be enough that he's, he's also going to be like an old guy designer. Like it's not enough that he's, uh, you know, the brilliant designer who designed the most uh, like a thousand world of Warcrafts at once all by himself. Also, he grew up playing the Intellivision. <sighs> yeah. The fact that we learn that, the Oasis was originally, like, either started being made or started coming out in, like, 2025. Mm-hmm. 
which even for this movie is like in seven years and you're like oh yeah and he had a full vr universe you're like stop it please stop but the uh, the upshot of the fact that this got this entire Oasis video game system was made by a single genius is that uh, it's very popular to study him specifically because why wouldn't you? The entire thing is basically the inside of his brain, the video game. Well, I mean, I feel like the only reason anyone is really studying him is because the other major MacGuffin in this is yeah, the, the Easter egg. Uh, Halliday, the inventor of the Oasis died and was like hey there's a an easter egg in this game and if you can find these three keys uh that i've hidden in my game then you can get like all of the shares that i have in this company and full control over what to do with the oasis which yeah woof okay so we've talked about this before in other mmo themed movies but what we're basically dealing with here is that our main character is such a nerd about about uh, the history of Halliday that he's able to crack the secret codes and and uh, and build or, or or solve puzzles no one else could have ever solved. And it's funny because you you take into account that in World of Warcraft, people solve all the puzzles before the game re- even releases them. Uh, and, not and, here. And not here. Here, millions of people have been trying for forever, and he's the first one to go. Maybe I'll try backwards. Oh yeah. I mean, they only apparently, I guess, discovered what the first key is, like, I think they said five years ago from where the movie starts. Uh, yeah, yeah. Someone figured out that it was in a race that it was his favorite race or something. The, uh, uh, the interesting thing for me, though, is because the Easter egg thing is supposed to be like, oh, it's based on me and my experiences and the things that I love. So there's Mm -hmm. an entire, like, library of Halliday that exists within the Oasis that is just every single thing that has ever happened to this guy that has ever been recorded, which most of it has. Mm -hmm. Yeah, his whole life seems to have been recorded. And it's all based on bits from his history and things that he loved. Yeah. And you have a character like Wade who is, let's go ahead and say, 20 in this, mm, I assume. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's reaching a little. I'm sure you're supposed to be like 16 or 17, but yeah, why not? Obviously, the actor is 20. But yeah, I was going to be like, I assume he's supposed to be younger, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Give him a few more years. But all of them are like, oh, yeah, every single movie that he liked, I've watched All of Mm -hmm. the video games he's played, I have played. Also, I've gone through the archive of all of his memories. Yeah. When? When did you do that? Because (laughs) you also have to be like, plus I go to school in the Oasis, plus I play games in the Oasis. You're like, no, none of this. You don't have time for this. (laughs) Plus, he's been going to that library so often and so for so long that he has a story about how when he st- when uh, the first Easter egg location was discovered, the place was mobbed with people. But it's been years now, and now he's the only person on the whole internet who still goes to that library. Yeah, because at this point, everyone's like, "Oh, we're just trying to beat this race," and like for- we've decided, "Fuck it." There's no more clues to be had. I mean, for for relative comparison's sake, let's say that at the peak of its size, the biggest it ever was, World of Warcraft had about 14 million players that were subscribed. This is supposed to be about 60% of the world plays this game, so it's going to be somewhere in the billions. 
Uh, uh, way, way out in the billions of people. All of them do this all the time. There's a secret prize you can win where you get to be in charge of the whole thing and be an ultra millionaire. This it is straight up a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory prize. Oh yeah, you uh, win a trillion dollars worth of stocks and yeah, full control of the biggest thing in the world. Money but everyone else, everyone but this one dude got bored and gave up. Oh yeah, it's been five years. Clearly, there's only one obsessive person on the entire internet that would be here. <laughs> this movie has such a nasty case of that in general. The uh, I don't really know what you call it in MMOs, but I'm just going to call it first per, or uh, main characteritis, where our, our main character is the only one to think, oh, you can look like whatever you want in the Matrix. I'll look like a sexy dude. Everyone uh, else is like, what are you going to look like? I don't know, a monster, a robot, uh, the Arkham City skin of... of uh, of uh, Harley Quinn, exactly that, all low res and everything. Just, but no one else is like, what if I just look like a sexy guy? You know, the except only, for the our main one. love interest, who's like, what if I look like a sexy girl? Except honestly, you mostly just look like a weird fish pixie. Well, they both fucking look like people from uh, Lucas's movie Strange Magic. Like they look exactly like that level of weird, big-eyed shit on your face CGI. Yeah. They both kind of look like fairies. Their eyes are too big. Their cheekbones are too strong. It, it, she kind of looks like a fish fairy, and he kind of looks like a, a terrifying CGI sex man. The weird thing for me is this is the avatar that he chooses, but we also know that Wade is so ridiculously into all of this pop culture shit that he basically has the same knowledge as an entire, like, team of specialists on holiday knowledge that our bad guy group IOI has. Yeah, but, they're called philologists or something like that. Well, yeah, because it's people who find bird eggs. You see people who find eggs? You uh -huh. get it? Uh -huh. But the fact that he's like, oh yeah, I drive the DeLorean that also has the lights from Knight Rider in front of it, and uh, I have the suit from Buckaroo Banzai, but I'm not going to make my avatar anything pop culture. Oh, goodness, no. Bullshit. 100% bullshit. Yeah, exactly. You know this guy was going to look like fucking Jack Skellington or something if he was actually left to his devices. Yeah. The fact that we see people wandering around is like, oh, there's someone that's Hello Kitty, and there's someone over there that's like, you know, fucking Frankenstein and shit. And you're like, great. Yeah. I always love that. That's another thing that falls into the main characteritis thing to me, where our main character's like, I'm going to go to this dance club, and I'm going to look like a sexy version of my avatar. Who else is going to be there? Oh, a bunch of clunky orcs and shit. Don't worry about it. I guess they just go like that everywhere. Yeah. I mean, if you There's were like, bunch of people oh, who finally saved up enough Oasis coins to buy the weird orc skin, you're like, well, I'm going to fucking use it. I guess I, I just it's I guess it takes all kinds and I get that. But every time it's like there's a wide crowd shot and there's someone in the back that's the cave troll from the Mines of Moria. And you're like, do you spend all day in that outfit? That feels like you're going to have a hard time getting around. Well, I mean, I feel like if you are in that outfit, it's because you're like, oh, I go to all the battle zones and I beat people up as my big troll. No, dude. you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. What I am basically the projection that I'm sending out here and you know exactly what it is because I talk about it all the time is the main character going to a costume ball thing. Ah. You know, where they have like a little tiny mask that's made out of wire so you can see their entire sexy face. But then the uh, the rest of the people thing are in fucking like full body gorilla costumes and shit. Yes. It's this is what that world is like. The uh, uh <laughs> So yes. Uh the other characters we get immediately are Wade's 
best friend on the Oasis, uh, H. Uh-huh, is, H is a big sort of pneumatic orc. Yeah, like an orc with the middle section is on hydraulics. Uh-huh, super cool look, way better than our main character. Yeah. Uh, voiced, obviously, which is funny because I feel like he had no, our main character had no idea, voiced by Lena Waithe. Yeah. <laughs> and when he finally, when he finally meets real world Lena Waithe, and he's like, wait a minute, you're a girl? And I'm like, oh, come on, fucking, you, how long, your whole life has been spent with this game turned on and you're still like, wait, girls in the game should be real girls. Such a fucking old man interpretation of MMOs. Oh, yeah. The... <laughs> The fact that Wade is like meets the love interest Artemis mm-hmm. at the race at one point and is like, ooh, that avatar is sexy. I am in love with her. And H is like, what are you talking about? Honestly, that was a sad moment because I was I, I'm for as much as I'm on H's side, because because H is absolutely right. They're like, you You shouldn't fall in love with someone based on their avatar. They could have just bought that from anywhere. You don't know what they look like. You don't know what they are. None of us sound or look like who we actually are. And then they take that extra old man wrote this script step to, they might be a 300 pound dude in their mom's basement named Chuck. Yeah. Like, uh, don't fucking body shame. You don't need that shit. Oh, yeah. But the it's thing enough is, to just say they're not who they might be. Yeah. I'm like, you already have the point across of, Yo, uh, no one here is what they are as their avatar, 100%, and you are pretty much just basing your entire attraction to this person on, they're pretty good at this video game, and also their avatar is hot. Right, exactly, because I, I really want, instead of the 300-pound dude, so fucking South Park-era joke about it, if, if H had just said, do you think I look like a hydraulic-lifted orc in real life? Yeah. That would have been a lot simpler and a lot less mean. Because, uh, yeah, it, it was just, it was an unnecessary way to do it. I mean, fuck, the, Wade is more or less in his aunt's basement. Oh, yeah. Which is... I mean, there's a whole there's a whole home life thing that we barely even need to get into. His He lives with his aunt because his parents died. Yep. And, and she dates uh, losers. Yeah. It's the standard, oh, I, I'm an orphan and I live with a relative and, you know, she's got a string of bad boyfriends. But don't Fucking worry, I will shit. only be here for, like, two minutes of this movie. It's this okay. Char- this character is such a Harry Potter, it's surprising he doesn't have the lightning bolt scar. Uh, because because he lives with an aunt and a, a string of cruel b- boyfriends, but there's only, only one in the movie. Uh, he has grown up, uh, unlike Harry Potter, who at least has the excuse of not knowing he's a wizard till he's, like, 13. This character has grown up in this world of info security and MMOs, but he has no idea how the basics of it work. But and he's also the chosen one. It's fucking ridiculous. And yeah, the other main character is Artemis, the uh, the girl who is hyper competent in the way that girls in commercials for children's toys are. Uh, and also, of course, we have the two Asian characters who are a samurai and a ninja. That is the freaking worst. Their names are like Daito and Sho, and then when you meet them in real life, their names are Toshiro and Jo. So they just they were just like ah well. You know, we're we're Asian, so our avatars are Asian, and they have different, but still Asian names. It is <laughs> woof. Especially when you're like, oh, wow, okay, that's kind of fucking racist, but sure. But then it gets out of the game, and you're like, oh, no, they know Kung Fu in real life, too. Obviously, they're Asian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Toshiro in particular is definitely knows Kung Fu in real life, and the poor actor is burdened with the worst line in the movie, I choose the form of Gundam. <laughs> 
God damn it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, the base I, we don't. I don't want to go beat by beat on this one because it's a two and a half hour movie and we don't have time. And I'm sure no, you don't, don't want to do that shit. either. Yeah, because the, um, the thing is, he eventually does. Wade figures out that the first key, the race, uh, he goes and looks at a memory of Halliday's where he's like, "Oh, I don't want things to go forward. What if we could go backward really fast?" And he's like, "Oh, I know. I'll drive backward real fast." And so he starts the race in the back row, drives backwards, a ramp opens up for him, and then for some reason he continues to drive backwards down there all the way through the race, but under it. Yeah, so at this point he has, through the ramp, basically gone backwards and under the structure of the race. So he can kind of see everything going on above him, so like all the racers, the fucking big trouble in little china truck that's in the way in king kong and everything yeah the jurassic park t-rex specifically the t-rex from jurassic park there's a bunch of pop culture shit that attacks them as they try to make their way through it and it's one of those things where we've seen this before in other movies about mmos this race is impossible no one can complete it because at the end king kong just catches you and eats your car but everyone tries it once an hour every day forever yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, yes, obviously this would still be happening. There's a trillion dollars on the line. Clearly, there would be an ass load of people still trying this five years later. And again, the fact that no one is going to the room of Halliday to look up clues five years later is, it just drives it home even more how silly that is. Well, that and it means that the game design is full on ironclad. Like, we, World of Warcraft ha- has hit a point where single players will will uh, solo current 40-man raids by just knowing a million different exploits. And the fact that this is like, oh, no, no one could get past King Kong. He's impossible. Okay, well, maybe if you team up and have one car throw another car. What if you just shoot shit at King Kong? What's your, uh, what, what's your endgame? He's impossible. Okay, great, yeah, thanks. That was one of those things I was thinking in the races. I was like, okay, but, like, what if... You just go through and, like, you're driving and then you go, hey, this person can have a, I don't know, a jetpack or some shit because you can get fucking anything. Whatever. You get the Rocketeer skin. And they're like, great. He goes to grab my vehicle. I fucking Rocketeer over him and go across the finish line. Yeah, or you just wait till he's got a car in each hand and then go by. Or Ugh. you just bring a big fucking missile and shoot Godzilla or uh, King Kong in the mouth. Yeah, but that won't work because King Kong won't die from a missile to the mouth. He's part of the race. <laughs> I got a point. You got a point there. Good point. Anyway, he wins, and Halliday has an in-game avatar who still exists after his death. Uh, by the way, Halliday, played by Mark Rylance, is dead. Um, but his wizard show, wizard avatar shows up and is like, "Hey, you win the key. Take control of your city, Gotham." <laughs> uh, and at this point, five people win the keys. The yeah, first because key. he tells uh, H, H, Artemis saw him go backwards to start with in that race, so she knows, and then H tells uh, Daito and Sho. Yeah, so these five people get the key. Now, there's no mention at any point in the rest of the movie if <laughs> anyone else gets the keys. I mean, we have to assume, because IOI is like, oh, we, we're going after the second and the third key, so you have to assume that they also get it. Let's talk about IOI for a second, because this is the first time mentioning them. They are the bad guys of the movie, a corporation that exists within the video game and without, led by Ben Mendelsohn, uh, and they are just evil incorporated. Their goal is to take over, to win this contest, 
take over Oasis and uh, more or less run it as an ad revenue service. Like there's a little there's a joke in the movie where he's like, we figured out that we can play 80 percent of the screen with ads before they start having seizures. Yeah. Which I'm like, okay, this is going to bring me to a lot of questions. One, why is there no competing Oasis? Yeah, that's a good question. Why has IOI, instead of spending five years and untold amount of money employing thousands of researchers and essentially gold farmers to try and get this key, instead of just going like, hey, let's make our own. Let's make a competing oasis. Yeah, and and instead of needing a single visionary genius, we'll just, you know, hire a big team of people and have them make it. Yeah, instead of... Fucking thousands of gold farmers and whatnot. We'll have thousands of programmers and then just make our own shit. Let's just take the fake Nolan Bushnell dick out of our mouths and make a regular video game. <laughs> but they don't do that. Instead, they they form their own army of in-game players called the Sixers. And they're called that because, uh, you know, there there's so many of them that they're faceless and corporate. They're just like numbers, man. And all I could think the whole time was, your organization is called IOI. Why aren't these called the 101s? Right? Like, they even have 101 written on their fucking faces. Is it that the wonderful 101 game came first and you can't touch it? Ah. <laughs> and I mean, I get it. It's a binary thing. 101, sure, whatever. But uh, <laughs> why are they called the fucking Sixers? Is 101 the binary number for six? Is that why? Well, all of their number designations that we see start with six, which makes Mm -hmm. me wonder, before they got to so many people that they churned through the numbers up to like 600,000, did they used to be called like the fivers and then the fourers? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But but basically, they are the evil enterprise who will stop at nothing and will happily kill people to to, to get whatever they want. And they uh, have... Oddly unlimited amounts of money in this game, I assume because we find out that not only are they evil incarnate because, you know, they're just faceless bad guys that want to take over the good thing and make it a bad thing, but they are the quintessential cyberpunk sort of corporation where it's like, oh yeah, uh, you get into debt and we buy your debt and then you have to come work for us. But you can only buy things through the company store and you get further in debt if you ever miss anything. Yeah. So we just own you for life and just turn you into our permanent gold farmers. And everybody who goes into one of the loyalty centers dies in there. You're like, yeah. Okay, I, someone's gonna someone's gonna blow your fucking shit up. I mean, that's that's straight up evil in corporate whatever, whatever. Who cares? Um so <laughs> Well, I mean, I'll say this. This setting is at least more cyberpunk than fucking Shadowrun. You're not wrong. It is a more cyberpunk setting than Shadowrun. Uh, Our people are actually fighting against a giant corporation, and the giant corporation is pure evil. So, you know. Eh. Plus, it's got that regular Neuromancer thing where some visionary genius invented the game-based internet, but gave it away for free. Like, there's even a scene in the movie where it turns out that uh, Ben Mendelsohn's character, Nolan, uh, had been a uh, an intern to Halliday and was like, hey, man, you could charge fees for people to get on this. You could have all kinds of plan levels and people could pay crazy amounts of money to be a part of this game. And our 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 uh, video game visionary is like, no, man, games should be free. And you're like, oh, fuck you. You're a businessman, too. Which brings me this, to the this has a monthly this. Su- <laughs> There's got to be a monthly subscription or some shit, because there is absolutely a giant economy. The game is free to log on to, but boy, do you ever need a lot of fancy equipment to do it. Oh, yeah. 
Because one of the key things, if you die in the Oasis, you die in real life. No, if you die in the Oasis, you lose all of your shit. You get zeroed out, which yep, means you, out. you respawn, you have no money, and you lose all of your gear. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I want to know is, does that mean you lose all your skins or just your gear? Because uh, well, everyone who we see die and respawn still looks the same, so I assume exactly. they usually lose their... Yeah, uh, and, and the other one I keep wondering is, how come people don't just fucking put their shit in in-game banks? Well, I was assuming, I'm like, okay, so if we want that to be a main conceit, it means there is no in-game bank. Everything yeah. you have has to be essentially on your person digitally at all times. Can't be. That is impossible. And the reason it's impossible is because Lena Waithe's character, H, owns property in the game. She owns a big-ass warehouse and repair center large enough to have the Iron Giant in it, and that's hers. Yeah. So that means, that means unless she's carrying that thing around with her, and she doesn't because she has to give people directions for how to get to it, you can buy shit that is not on your person. Well, I gotta say, that means it's just money and equipment that is, on, that is always on you. Things yeah. that are static, such as uh, skins or property, I assume you don't lose, but... Also, H's workshop brings up a whole load of other questions, but I'll get into that in a second because I'm still on the economy of this. The in-game currency, uh, after Wade wins the first key, he also gets 100,000 coin. Great. Yeah, yeah. That's a ton of money, apparently. He can buy a holy hand grenade from Monty Python and a Rubik's Cube called a Zemeckis Cube that lets you rewind time. Mm -hmm. and I wanna, it, it's worth noting that he spends 90,000 of his 100,000 credits in one very fast montage. Yes. <laughs> he also, though, buys an X1 suit, which is the top-of-the-line interface, where instead of just being, like, a headset and some sensory gloves, it is a full-body sensory unit. Yeah, it's a sex suit, and it's going to bring up the exact same question you're about to say that I had. Please continue. So you can buy real-world items with the in-game currency, currency mm -hmm. in here, and it's not just like, oh, I have to, like, sell my in-game currency to someone who wants it. Like, there's a store in here where I can just buy that suit. So yeah. that's not the thing I was complaining about, but please, please keep no, going. That's, no, that's part of the economy thing for me, is yeah. I'm like, okay, so like... There's a if, conversion rate between in-game gold and real-world money. Yeah, however much the X1 costs in real-world dollars, we know how much it costs in in-game currency. And since, like, any given main character we see has just gobs of shit that they've gotten over the many years that they have played this game, mm -hmm. I just keep going like, God damn, you've got to be absolutely wealthy but all of you are like and i i just live in a basement because i'm a dumb nerd <laughs> yeah you wonder why they don't divest out of the game effectively like if uh if you've got enough money to buy a bunch of these x1 suits why don't you buy them and then open a store yeah and that can't be the only real world item you can get in here no no there there's drones delivering shit. shit everywhere all the time and it's exactly like old everquest where you can type in slash pizza it's that kind of shit so you know full well that there's a, that the game is the world's economy, more or less. It's the, also the world's school system. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not in the game so much. In the book, apparently, they mentioned that, like, H and Wade and also IROC go to the same school online. Mm-hmm. So, IROC, by the way, that's the TJ Miller. He's a, he's a secondary bad guy. Yeah, he apparently was not in the book, basically, at all. 
But mm-hmm. here he is our, like, mercenary for hire, super badass who spends all of his time in the game, so has a ton of weapons, can take down anyone. And Well, you, need, uh, you needed the two eh. kinds of MMO bad guy. You needed the the old man who doesn't get it, and that's your Nolan Sorrento. He wants to control it, but he doesn't understand the game, man. And then you need someone who absolutely does understand the game, but is a dick. Yeah. And so that you need him to explain shit condescendingly to Ben Mendelsohn. That's why he needed to be in the movie. Yep. So there you, <laughs> you fucking go. Uh, oh, there's so much I want to talk about. The thing I wanted to mention with the X1 suit, before we go any further on those, though, they feel g- that you can feel anything that touches you now. It's a haptic response suit. So if someone touches you nicely, you feel the nice touch. But mm-hmm. also, if someone kicks you in the nuts, the suit hurts your real world nuts. Yes, indeed. Now, this is bad, and we've talked about that in other movies that we've reviewed before. Just turn that shit off. Why would you want to get kicked in the nuts? Why would you spend tens of 33,000 coins to get kicked in the nuts? I, unless you're oh, yeah. way into specifically that, turn that shit off. All it I does mean, is make it harder for you to win things. Especially given that I would say most of the stuff we see in this movie is, oh, people are just fighting or, you know getting in races where you fall down and die or jumping into movies where someone stabs you. And I'm like, why would you ever have this? I mean, I guess you'd get it if you were like, oh, I'm basically the Star Wars galaxy dancer of the Oasis Mm. where I just hang out. I do strip club stuff and, you know, maybe I get to have sex in my big cool suit. All right, sure. But the people who are like, ooh, this is great. Now I can feel it when someone shoots me. Like, no, no fucking... It's mostly so you can have a comedy scene of Ben Mendelsohn's character getting kicked in the nuts and the suit lights up around his his obviously injured nuts because the suit's got to, I mean, obviously it's a movie, so the suit has to light up to show that it's working. But it's like, why would you do that? Just turn that off. Then you can fight forever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or until the game <laughs> determines that you're dead, as opposed to being, you know, your character goes, oh, no, my nuts, because my real life nuts. Yep. It's All right. Just want to say bad. that. Now, the second... There's a lot of shit about where the second key is, and it turns out it's in the fucking Shining, like in the movie The Shining. There's a huge part of this movie where they go to The Shining and hang out in The Shining. But they yes, think indeed. at first, they think at first that it's in a dance club, and so they go to a dance club. And I wanted to talk about this just a little. Um, obviously, uh, our main character thinks it's a date because he's a fucking idiot. Uh, but our our female lead who invites him there, uh, you know, uh, Artemis, she invites him there. Not because she thinks it's a date, but she does get dressed up to go anyway, um, because they, she thinks that it's some kind of, it's like a dance contest. So they have to dance or jump into a big pit above a dance, below a dance to win the thing. So she's like, come on, let's go dance on the, in the big pit where everyone's dancing in zero gravity. And I got to say this, the club has been playing Blue Monday, the, uh, the, the original, the New Order version of it, from the moment they stepped in, like a big, long remixed version of it, but it's just Blue Monday. So she's out there dancing to Blue Monday, and she's like, yeah, I can dance, and my outfit lights up and swirls, and I'm looking real good. And he's like, I'm a nerd and can't dance to this song, but I can change the music of the whole fucking club to Staying Alive, and then I can dance to Staying Alive. Yeah, I mean, I assume he has a program. He has some sort of cheat that he can do. He has a slash dance for Staying Alive. Well, here's Okay, this raises a couple of questions for me. There are two. The first one is fairly obvious. It's a real bad character... uh, point of main characteritis because if anyone in there can change the entire music of the club it would never be the same song for more than a second you have to take into account uh, take into account exactly how many fucking people are in this game 
Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you have to assume like, oh, you got to pay coin to change a song if you do that. And yeah, it even would have then, to be high enough that no one else was going to interrupt. Yeah, you'd have to pay an incredible amount of money because otherwise it would just be whatever current meme song. It'd be the fucking Wellerman comes for a thousand times in a row and no one would be able to stop it because there's a ton of rich whales in video games. But here's the other thing that just drives me insane. And it's a minor niggling point. He switches the music from, from Blue Monday to Staying Alive and starts dancing. And Artemis goes, oh, cool, old school. And I'm like, lady... That song is 67 years old. Blue Monday is 63 years old. They are the same fucking age. <laughs> yeah. I have, because, you know, it's from the point of view of someone who's like, yeah, but, but one of those is disco and the other one is more like synth new wave. So, you know, they're completely different. I'm like, motherfucker, the, this is 2045. No one gives a shit. Yeah. The, the, uh, the basic, di uh, the, the difference of five years between those two movies, four years between those two songs has no bearing on 2045 music. They're just be like, oh, a different old song. We all like all the old songs forever. There hasn't been new music in 40 years. Yeah, well, because the entire point of this is everything I like is the correct thing to like, and everyone else should and does rightly like the things I like. Right. It was just such a hilarious movie moment for her to have to go like, ooh, old school. And I'm like, New, New Order is 60. That song is 63 years old at this point, like time-wise. It, it, it would also be on the oldie station. Uh, so the, that's the, not the key, by the way, they have to go somewhere yeah, the else. They go to the fucking the shining, shining, which we might as well talk about that shit too. They have to get into there because they're like, Oh, uh, it was based on Halliday's date with what would eventually become his business partner's wife. But like she wanted to go dancing and he took her to a movie instead. So they thought it would be the dance club he had made. It wasn't, it was the right. movie they watched. And while they're looking at like, oh, okay, we can narrow it down to what movies he watched during the week that he would have been around to uh, go on this date. And we can narrow it down. Yeah, and, and they have to point, solve a riddle. They're flipping through and they're like, oh, this, that's a terrible date movie. Oh, wait, The Shining. The clue was that it was a creator that hates his creation and Stephen King hated this adaptation. And you're like, he didn't make yeah, that but movie, this though. is also a, a <laughs> shit date movie. <laughs> it is, it, it's a couple of different things. First of all, Stephen King wasn't involved in the making of the film The Shining. He hated it after it came out, but he didn't create it. That's no, he a Kubrick created movie. The Shining, the book. Yeah, so so that that riddle's bad on the face of it, but you know, whatever. Um, by the way, Holiday had a buddy in life who he eventually kicked out of the company, uh, played by Simon Pegg, named Ogden Warren or something like that. Uh, and he is in the movie all the way through as a secret character, the curator of this library museum. Oh, my God. Spoilers. Yeah, fuck it. Uh, anyway, and, and the other thing, this drives me nuts because it's like, OK, there's two. There's a treasure hunt going on. The treasure hunt is can you do these crazy challenges? Also, the crazy challenges are based on my life, Halliday's life. Can you figure that shit out? By the way, only three interesting things ever happened in my 80 years of life. Oh. And they all happened in a roughly three-year period. The the weird thing with the curator being Ogden is I was like, is that a recent thing? Because when this first happened, there is a 0% chance that you were logged in the 24 hours a day that you would need to be in order to meet the demands of literally billions of people probably looking through this archive. Oh, yeah. Like I was saying earlier, this movie has very little concept of the actual scale of the kind of story they're trying to tell. Like, just yeah, the, the sheer, fact that the sheer like, amount of people. Oh, yeah. Ogden just plays Ask Jeeves during his downtime and leads these people through the archive. I'm like, uh, one, bullshit. 
because even if he's like, yeah, sometimes I moonlight as it, like, there are people in there all the time when the contest first started, and also once the first key is found, it gets flooded again. Yeah. God, and that just reminded me of the fucking Goro costume. God damn it. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, he's he's apparently just Google in this world is just one bored Simon Pegg. Yep. What a fun idea. Uh, so they have to go to The Shining, and luckily, going to The Shining is as easy as asking Simon Pegg, the curator, hey, can you take us to The Shining? And he's like, ah, of course I can. By the way, here's a quarter you should keep. It's going to be important later. And then he, like, does something, and the floor drops, and they go into The Shining. Yeah. So, as opposed to having to go to, like, a movie theater somewhere. <laughs> well, I mean, they do go to the movie theater, and then the movie theater zaps them into The Shining. Oh, okay. Um... <laughs> So, The Shining is basically a series of jokes about how H has not seen The Shining and dislikes scary movies, and everyone else is a turbo nerd and uh, knows everything about The Shining, and so they're wandering around rattling off facts about it. Yep. Which, again, it would be one thing even if Wade was like that, but the fact that everyone is like, oh yes, we have all seen all of these all the time, we know everything about everything. I'm like, no, you don't. You're not. Stanley Kubrick, room 237. Fake the moon landing. There's those two rocks that you can see that have a B on them. And you're just like, oh my God, stop it. Wouldn't you at least focus on relevant aspects of this dude's life? Uh, but it turns out they're like, oh no, what it is is it wasn't the dance club out here. It was the ballroom in The Shining. And we've got to go find the digital version of Kira, the person he went on a date with. And be like, hey, let's dance. And then that gets you a key. Yeah, she doesn't know about it, though. She is eternally, her avatar is eternally trapped in a room where she is forcibly dancing with zombies above an eternal pit to hell. Yep. What a lovely way to commemorate uh, to commemorate the woman you went on one crappy date with, and then she married your friend because he was actually interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, Halliday throughout this is very much the, I'm a super turbo nerd that's, very socially awkward and doesn't really know how to connect with people, but he went on one date and he's like, and from ever on, I have been in love with her. And you're like, that's That's unhealthy? not the message you think it is. Yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I know you think it's a good message where you're like, this guy found true love and lost it. No, he went on one shitty date and was weird and didn't go on a second date. Yeah, and also the fact that Ogden is the curator of this means that he knows mm -hmm. that Halliday was like, I'm so horny for your wife. Until my dying day, I'm horny for your wife. And so I built her as a permanent zombie trap into this weird shining montage where poor H has to run away from bathtub lady and the twins and the blood shower. <sighs> I was amazed we didn't get a uh, CGI Jack Nicholson in here, but I guess we they did. just didn't get the rights to that. We did for a, for a split. So you didn't get his face is the thing. You no, got that's his what I'm saying. Yeah, you got his hunched body in the snow maze for a second, and that was it. Yeah, you can see the feet, but you don't get a CGI Jack Nichols. You just yeah. get some... Yeah, so that's uh, <laughs> honestly kind of a blessing that this movie doesn't have a secret Jack Nicholson and Shelley Long in it. Huh? Or is it Shelley Duvall? Anyway. Um, I mean, also, it's great that it doesn't have a CGI Shelley Long. <laughs> It'd be weird. I mean, it wouldn't be that weird if it did. She's in 80s stuff. Why not? Uh, and then I love that after they get this second key... Uh, you know, Artemis gets it, by the way. Assumably Artemis gets all five first, of them then yes. go get it as well, but we don't have to see that. No. And the thing is, the movie just sort of gets bored with itself at this point because it's like, uh, yeah, sure. They all get it. We don't need to show you that. Also, 
IOI gets it. We'll have a throwaway scene where people are freaking out because, ooh, they have to be in The Shining. Uh, and then afterwards, they're like, oh, IOI just brute forced the clue and know exactly where it is now. We don't even need to try and figure things out. You know, honestly, it was a blessing in disguise because the third clue was some bullshit. They briefly read it out. They're like, if you divide the ultimate by the magic, and I'm like, nope, don't care. I sure hope the bad guys find this one. Yeah, they're just like, we fucking brute forced the numbers down until we found what division it was in, and then we went to every square inch of it because we're massive. Incidentally, that's how all of these puzzles would have actually been solved. Yes. Yes. <laughs> As opposed to waiting for the one kid to think to drive backwards, they would have all been solved by brute force things a long time ago. Oh, yeah, because I have to be like, you're not the first person to ever go, dude, I want to run around in The Shining. Someone else did that at some point and was like, that's weird that this ballroom is different. <laughs> What's up with these zombies? That's a strange. That was another little minor point that really bothered me. H gets pulled through a wall by the heroes when she, when uh, she's being attacked by the a giant version of Bathtub Lady. And she's like, hey, I just got chased by fucking zombies. And our main character has to dismiss dismissively go, there's no zombies in The Shining. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, a lot of this shit's not in The Shining. There's no hydraulic orcs in The Shining either. I, what, I, I get it's it's dismissive pedantry from him because obviously he's a turbo nerd who knows everything about everything. But it's funny because he's like mad. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's no uh, orcs in the There's no zombies. I'm like, okay, fine. Then a undead a lady. <laughs> Fine. Okay, it's a it's a specter of a of a spirit that is trapped eternally in the hotel because the hotel is an evil way station presence. Fine, you got me. Okay, I also read Doctor Sleep. Ah, oh. I'm up to speed. Fuck oh. you. They're zombies. So the uh, the final key is there's some castle in some place that has a old what is it Atari twenty six hundred yeah twenty a twenty six hundred and every game for it. And so then they're just going to try and essentially brute force this as well, where they're like, we will just have someone play every single game. And if you play the wrong game for a minute, then the floor drops out from under you and you die. Right. And uh, it's it's fairly interesting. I'm kind of curious as they have a whole team of scientists who are studying what game to play and in what order. And the obvious puzzle solution is adventure, because adventure has the world's first video game Easter egg in it. Yep, but they have not um, thought of this yet. They didn't think of that. So they're like, well, obviously it's probably Tank Commander because something. But I would be like, why don't you just do them alphabetically? Like, you know, it takes one minute per game to try. And there are about 800 Atari 2600 games. So just do them alphabetically because it takes a minute per. What, what's the hurry? You've got an indestructible fucking magic force field around the castle, apparently. Yeah. There's so much intrigue and shit that we're just skipping. Oh, yeah. Uh, They find out. Because Wade says his real name to Artemis like a dumbass, they find out who he actually is and bomb the apartment that his aunt has in the stacks and almost ass assuredly kill dozens of people. Yeah, they introduce a bad guy that is not in the books specifically for the purpose of hunting him in the real world. Uh, it's uh, the lady, uh, the woman who played Ghost in the uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Hannah John Kamen, I want to say, a and... Uh, her name in this movie is Finale Xandar. Lol. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, but also, so she's this, hunting of course, him. The, uh, the real world stuff, we have to have that absolute god-awful, like, modern-day Beauty and the Beast shit thing where Artemis is like, oh, if you saw me in the real world, you would be disappointed because in the real world, 
I'm actually a hot chick, but I have a barely noticeable birthmark on my face. Yeah, she's got like a, a, a red birthmark over one of her eyes. And she's like, oh, in the real world, I'm hideous. You would never find love with me. And then when he meets her, he's like, I don't care. I'm willing to love you anyway, because honestly, I've never met a real woman. And also, you're just someone that is hot with a very minor birthmark. Like, it's big, but the discoloration is barely noticeable it, it's not a big deal it is complete honestly i really wanted them to meet and for her to be like now you, you're gonna turn away from me because of my birthmark and he'd be like no i could see the beauty in you and then she goes really oh that's a shame because you kind of look like miles teller's dumber stunt double <laughs> like, i'm not oh, into I your doughy ass i was in love with your avatar and not your dumb idiot ass so <laughs> pass Get out of here, you doughy 14-year-old. What are you? Who are you fucking kidding? That I really wanted that, because the whole movie hinges on him being willing to love her beyond this birthmark, with no thought at all given to whether she's going to like him. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then, uh, you know, intrigue, intrigue, intrigue. It turns out that she's actually part of a terrorist cell that's trying to take out IOI, and... Uh, but they're they're being hunted by drones and finale, and then he asks when when she gets captured, he meets H's real world form, Lena Waithe, and he's like, yeah. "What? You don't look like your avatar." And she's like, "How on earth fucking could I?" Yeah, I don't, have a, God, I don't even dumb. have a midsection. I just God damn it! There's so also, much stuff. This is going to go slightly long. I know it will because yeah. there's so much shit that I want to talk about still. Right after that, he meets Toshiro, and he's like, oh, you're obviously Toshiro, because you're a Japanese person. You're the only Asian here, so clearly... You're the first Asian I've ever met, therefore... Uh, yeah, and then the, the, big, the big gag of, of uh, the other one, you'd think this gag would land, except that since these two Asian characters get nothing to do, uh, the one who plays Sho, uh, actually real-world name, Jo, is 11, and that's the source of some jokes. Uh, oh man, he's, he's an 11 year old boy. Didn't see that one coming, which honestly, I'm amazed that all of you aren't 11, but whatever. <laughs> Honest, the wackiest thing about it is that they're all roughly the same age, except for him. Yeah. I mean, like, it, <laughs> it would be weirder to be like, ah, oh, yeah, shows fucking like a 45 year old dude. Who's just like, I'm obsessed with honor and <laughs> the way of the samurai. And you're like, oh God, this guy. The fact that. The fact that none of them is like a suburban dad is kind of surprising to me. <laughs> no, we're all young 20-somethings who were super hot. Yeah, that's that. obviously, duh. That's, well, yeah, that's obviously, <laughs> because again, the message of this movie is the things I like are the correct things to like, and every generation yeah. should like them. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of shit going on. Uh, one of the one of the MacGuffins of the film is that uh, Halliday scattered the the game world with with uh, artifacts, which are magic items you can get, and they have cool powers that are unique to each artifact. There's only a few of them that get mentioned in the movie, but the only relevant one is the Orb of Ossovox, uh, which is the uh, a D twenty in a sphere, and it creates an impenetrable force field that can only be taken apart by a spell cast from next to it. So you have to be inside the force field to turn off the force field. Yes. And it will apparently last for 10 million years unless you turn it off. Yeah, which immediately Samantha does because she'd already been captured and forced into a loyalty center, but she escapes. Apparently because escaping loyalty centers is crazy easy. Uh, well, you think more more people would try. Yeah, the uh, also the is... spell to turn off the orb is from Excalibur. Yeah, so... yeah. Great. There's also the back of Lena Lena Waithe's postal van has the uh, the annihilation trap from that super hard D and D adventure painted on the back of it. I mean, 
honestly, there's just fucking. There's a we've been skipping in this. We've been skipping this shit for a reason. Every every shot has a thousand fucking pop culture things in the background. You don't care. I don't care. I thought the scene with the uh, with the low res uh, Harley Quinn was kind of funny. Also, the scene with eight Master Chiefs was was mildly amusing. Well, that was the only one that made sense to me because I'm like, oh, you can buy skins in here, and there's a whole bunch of shit you can get. The fact that there were eight Master Chiefs, I was like, obviously, clearly, you would get that. But, like, what, there's only one person that wanted to be a Ninja Turtle? There's only one person that wanted to be, like, Tracer? Bullshit! Yeah. (laughs) You would send in the Ninja Turtle contingent. Yeah, and yet you see one Ninja Turtle, specifically from the Michael Bay movies, once throughout the film. Ugh. Anyway. (laughs) I was kind of hoping to see a fucking 80s Ninja Turtle, right? the, uh, The fucking final battle that we wear... Wade has to call on all of the denizens of the Oasis, fight back, and whatever. It's some some dumb bullshit. Obviously, but, he has to give a big speech about the power of love. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, I, when I started this movie, I kept saying, like, I'm not, I don't clan up. I'm not in a clan. I solo, but I, I've got my clan with me, my friends that I was friends with even before this. But now that there's a girl, we're a clan now, and... And we're, we, we found friendship and love here on the Oasis and let's keep it free. Right. Also, at this point, they have a clan. People have started calling them the high five because they were the first five people to get the first key. The thing I want to transition to very, please do whatever you want in the film. Yeah. Is the workshop of H. (laughs) So during the beginning race, uh, Artemis has the motorcycle from Akira and it gets wrecked. Yes. And they take it to H's workshop and H is like, yeah, I can fix this and does so in like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Also has basically the Iron Giant in there and it is a Hmm. custom job, which means she's building it from scratch. Yep. She cannot be the only person that knows how to program in this game to make stuff. And if you can just straight up make the Iron Giant from whatever then how is the in-game economy working at all? I mean, I kind of get it. If you take it from a, a MMO model, it means that, that H is dedicating all of her time to gathering materials in the game world, except the only thing anyone ever drops is coins. But presumably, we don't see the parts where she could go out and mine for iridium or whatever the fuck to get enough ore bits to make the thing to buy from the goblin to get the part that becomes the Iron Giant's left nut. They, we don't well, We don't see that part. But also... I wanted to bring up another thing in this scene. Outside of the Iron Giant, which, of course, is what H will use to bring to the final battle because it's, you know, the Iron Giant. And, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I fought with this thing who the entire point of the movie was it didn't want to be a weapon? So, Mm -hmm. also... (laughs) And it doesn't even get to turn into that cool gun UFO form it had. Also, H has a lunchbox full of spaceships. (laughs) That's right. I forgot about that. There's a point where she just opens up a a lunchbox and it's full of fucking spaceships. And she's just like, yeah, I've got this one. This is the Defender spaceship. This is the Galactica, obviously. Yeah, Wade just goes through and is like, here's the Nostromo from Alien. And here's this. And here's like some dropship from Dune and goes through all of these. And I kept thinking during the final battle, why don't you bring the fucking Galactica? Like, that seems like it would be way more helpful than just you and the Iron Giant. You're not wrong. The, honestly, that, that throwaway line kind of really messes up the final battle. She has a whole box full of every spaceship ever. Why aren't they there? Why isn't this oh. an EVE Online fight? And 
in case you think, oh, well, you couldn't bring spaceships to that fight, uh, I think Daito is the one who shows up to the battle on the Serenity from Firefly, Mm -hmm. so you can bring ships in there. And also, he has the other relic that we find in the game, which is a glove that can turn you into any robot for 10 minutes. Yeah, and he chooses to be a Gundam. (laughs) I choose the form of Gundam. And the, the funny thing to me is, if he's an absolute turbo nerd, and he oh by the way, this is because our bad guy has is our uh, Nolan Sorrento has entered the battlefield to try and defend the big orb and stop people from getting to the adventure game. Uh, so he in his avatar, which looks exactly like like a uh, Metro Man from Megamind, uh, except in a business suit, comes stomping out and is just like, I'll throw this thing on the ground, and I'm in Mecha Godzilla. Fuck you all, Mecha Godzilla. Um, so we get a, a, a Gundam versus Mechagodzilla fight in this movie, and that's kind of neat. But if this, if, if, uh, Daito is a turbo nerd, why is he in a Gundam as opposed to being in like the SDF one? Well, it's like, any robot. Oh, the, the, the SDF one is a robot. It transforms from a giant three mile long battleship into a giant three mile tall mo- guy. Yeah, but I think you'll find that it's not a robot. It's actually uh, a transformer in that aspect. You're going to find that there is literally no thing that you can say that the Gundam is that the that uh, the (laughs) SDF one is not. That's the problem. If he had turned into into anything but a Gundam, he'd be fine. But he turned into a Gundam, which means that the SDF one is on the fucking table. Uh, I mean, also anything else i think in the book it was supposed to be turns into ultraman but they couldn't get the right oh, ultraman first of all is an alien but whatever sure <laughs> but yeah it, there's so many th- gypsy danger would have been a cool thing to see right here or even just another mecha godzilla and be like fuck it we're evenly matched i don't care yeah fuck it there's a mecha king Ghidorah. ah that would have been a neat fight whatever yeah who cares uh, so yes uh the Company goon playing adventure beats the game, but that's not what you're supposed to do. And Wade runs in and he's like, oh, you're supposed to get the Easter egg where you go wander around and find a dot and bring it to the beginning. And then you see the programmer's name. Great. Yeah. And we have a whole thing about he's like, he just wanted recognition. He wanted to be seen for what he was or something. And you're like, I get He was it, so right? proud of his creation that he wanted to write his name into it. Yeah. And, the, and back in those days, video game creators wouldn't let you do that. I know. Yeah. You're trying to draw a comparison to Halliday. Sure, whatever. It doesn't fucking land. And our villain shows up to use a bomb that destroys everything. This is the second bomb that destroys everything that we've seen in this because of the holy hand grenade. Well, the holy hand grenade just destroys everything within its radius. This is specifically a bomb that we saw earlier as a thing you could buy, which is this kills literally every avatar in the Oasis. Although Mm -hmm. it doesn't specify every avatar currently in the oasis or every avatar that exists like as an account yeah it's called like the apocalypse or something uh and it goes off and this is the re- the brief moment where i rock our secondary villains like no man don't use that fucking thing that's gonna kill everybody i have 10 years of treasure on me that will zero out everyone Although apparently not him, because when he logs back in, the boss man, he's like, ha and I've still got dumb shit. Like, but you should yeah. be, you also died. Why do you, fuck it, whatever. Whatever. And it turns out the quarter that he got, that uh, our, our hero Parzival, we haven't even said his fucking name in the game, by the way, Parzival, Ooh. fuck that. 
And they have to have a scene where Parzival and Artemis explain their names to each other. Like, yes. explain each other's names. They would be like, oh, you're named after the goddess of the hunt. That's probably why you're following me. Well, you're named after the knight who found the grail on his own. It's like, I don't fuck. This is not the banter you're hoping. Yeah. The the thing is, the quarter was also, an extra guy. throughout this movie, we have shown that if you, in the real world, just like reach up to your head and take off your headset... You log out of the game just immediately. Yep. As soon as he sees this dude has the, I've got the bomb that kills everyone, he should have just been like, and a dupe helmet off? Yeah, helmet back on. I mean, granted, the guy could have just been like, oh, he le- he left. I will not set off the bomb until I see him again. Well, I'll hold it on, be it, go do the adventure thing, whatever. Now I've got, I've got a deterrent. But it turns out is, that quarter, the- that quarter that got flipped to him earlier by Simon Pegg is an extra guy. And- they didn't bother to check that half the quarter in big yellow letters says extra life on it. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, when the curator's like, oh, you bet me all of your money that you, this thing is true in the system and you won. So here's all my money and flips him a quarter. And he's like, I don't need this and flips it back. And I'm like, you're the dumbest motherfucker in the world. If someone flips you an item that exists in this game, it's an actual item. Yeah, you keep that shit, you dumbass. But it turns out it's an extra guy, and then he goes and he beats Adventure. Or not beats, he finds the hidden thing. Yeah, and great, he gets the fucking egg after he also, in a thing where he's like, oh, the avatar of Halliday shows up and is like, oh, sign these papers and all of this will be yours. And he's like, wait a minute, this pen, this is the exact scene where, like, Ogden signed all of his uh, shares away and... It's your biggest regret that you let your friend walk away from this and, oh, I won't sign it. And then as soon as he gets out after actually getting the for real egg, like mm-hmm. lawyer up and go, hey, you, you do actually need to sign this paperwork, though. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Honestly, I just kind of want the lawyers to show up and be like, hey, look, Halliday died like 10 years ago and the shareholders immediately declared his stupid Easter egg hunt null and void. We just wanted to, we just wanted to let you know. Congratulations! Here's the trophy we're giving you. You don't get fucking shit. That was a stupid idea. The moment he was dead and he didn't have control of the company anymore, we turned that off. Uh. Uh, but instead, we have to have a whole secondary scene where because Halliday talks real slow about nothing for about ten minutes, it's enough time for a van chase. Yeah, a real world chase while fucking Wade is sitting there trying to get the Willy Wonka talk from Halliday. Uh, they're in the van getting chased by IOI and, oh, in probably one of the most pointless things in this, which is saying something, they're on their way to the stacks. Mm-hmm. And they call ahead and they're like, people of the stacks, we're coming to you. Uh, IOI is chasing us and we've got the, like, Parzival and he's going to get the egg and he's going to save the Oasis for the people. You need to come help us. And like all of the people of the stacks come down and it's one of those things where it's like, hey, fuck you, buddy. If you want to get the Spider-Man, you got to go through us sort of thing. Except the second the bad guy pulls out a pistol, everyone goes, nope, I'm good. (laughs) Never mind. Yeah, sure, there's a hundred of us and anyone (laughs) behind you could just grab you, but we are terrified of one dude with one pistol <laughs> oh it's great because he had this whole thing where they do the, the, the spider-man thing and then they just part like the red sea they don't even fucking care anymore it was a nothing moment this movie could have stayed you could have cut 30 percent of this easy and that's one of the easiest cuts oh yeah 
you're like, oh yeah, now we're gonna have to see them square off again. Oh no, they're just scared of a gun and everyone leaves. Right. But you know, no by one the time even he has a gun of them their own. No, they're just standing there looking mad at him. And when he finally gets to the door, he opens it, and it's too late. Oh boy, is that kid's ever ha- hands ever glowing with key power? And he's just like, oh. Well, I guess it doesn't matter now. I guess I could shoot him and he wouldn't have the key, but I'm not gonna. Well, I mean, and then he-, he got the egg, so he already won. But he's like, well, I shoot him. Technically, he still got it. So the egg got got. No one can get it anymore. Meh. Right. But it, then he's just dead and he's not in charge of the company. Uh, I, I can try and just do a regular ass buyout instead. Like I should have done in the first place. Uh, um, and, and but no, then, the yeah, cops I'll- show up and take him. Yeah, and Ogden shows up and is like, my boy, you've won a... Come with me on this Wonkavator. Yeah. Do you know what happened to the boy who won- <laughs> who got everything he ever wanted? Oh, he was a dumb little bullshit idiot who fucked everything up. <laughs> he got to date this girl who was automatically attracted to him because he didn't have a birthmark. Ugh. Uh, the end of this movie. Oh, my God. Oh, The end oh of this my movie, God. when he gets control over the Oasis... He's like, all right, I established some rules. And number one is the Oasis is no longer allowed to be accessed by loyalty centers. So you got to shut down that whole like company thing where you have essentially slave centers and you go, okay, that's nice and all. But now I guess they'll just be slaves that work from home instead of the loyalty center. Yeah. And then the second one was I hired Ogden as a consultant because he got written out of the company a long time ago. And it was a mistake. Do you know what he asked for for his salary? A quarter. And I'm like, you get that's it? not as cool as you, th- you get it. Uh, first of all, no, this guy isn't fucking two face. Quarters aren't his secret calling card. He just threw you one once. And it the I, reason it was a, <laughs> a quarter is because that's what the extra life was, because it's arcade games and shit. Yeah, so this is this is stupid, and ultimately the fact that he needs a quarter for his salary tells me that he's just some rich guy, and I don't care if he gets a rich guy job. That's not, fuck Steven Spielberg, walk among the common people for another day. But the biggest insult by far, the, the third one, man, he, he turns off the video game on Tuesdays and Thursdays because this is written by an old-ass man who does not know what MMOs are or how the world works because he thinks people should go outside more. And... Let's be realistic. It's not that. It's because he discovered real-world breasts. He wants to make out with his girlfriend two days a week, and so everyone else in the world has to stop what they're doing so he can do that. Oh, yeah. It's just, oh, man, one of the last things Halliday said was that, you know, reality is the only place you can get a good meal, and now I, I think people... You know, I've got the old man, oh, these kids these days spend too much time online instead of playing stickball out in the street like I used to. So now I'm going to turn it off for two days a week. And it is, when you pull back and think about it, one of the worst fucking things that you could possibly do. It's worse than, I mean, it's the worst thing you could do in a variety of ways. It is the stupidest possible decision on so many levels. It hurts. It ruins everything about this. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine you're one of the people who's like, oh, yeah, I work a job. And so I can't even be on like the Oasis doing stuff I want to. Normally, yeah. my only days off are Tuesday, Thursday, and now I can't log on. Yeah, no, you turned you took the game away from a bunch of people automatically because you're an old ass rich screenwriter and you didn't think that some people work fucking weekends. Also, you just made it so that, you know, a tool that would help anyone who was either disabled or had any sort of 
problems getting around or needed like special education or anything like that stuff that the oasis does provide and is revolutionary for. for two days a week no fuck you yeah like imagine if you're primarily in the oasis because you have extreme motor function issues and it's a place where you can actually move around and interact with the world and now it's yeah, just I like mean, no i found out i like making out with a girl so no you can't have that yeah if you're like oh yeah you know i've got als and i'm basically a prisoner of my own body but because of this game i can actually like move around and do stuff and it's you know i've got freedom again oh oops a daisy you like making out so two days a week i don't get that anymore Mm -hmm. also holy shit the world economy it's the economy of the world he's like on tuesdays and thursdays you can't make money anymore eat a dick everybody yeah and that is Oh my god, everyone who then works not in the Oasis as well is going to be absolutely truck-fucked on Tuesdays and Thursdays where, like, on average, I would say 70% of the population is like, well, now everyone has the same days off. Yes. Except for people who work in the real world, and you will be so crowded with people now. Yeah, it's funny to me because even even in the movie, he has this little line where he's like, this third decision wasn't quite as popular but it was for their own good. And I was like, there was a reason it wasn't quite as popular. You are a fucking moron. <laughs> you are an entitled little prick and I fucking hate you. You have also, no concept of how many people you just discommoded. The other thing that I want to mention about this as well is that it also means you have given the perfect thing for oh, someone yeah. else to come in on. Like, it was very stupid that no one had made a competing Oasis up until this point. But now that you did that, someone's like, Hey, we've got a competing Oasis. It's not quite as good, say, as the Oasis that you currently have, because that's had 25 years of updates. But we're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So how about that? Yeah, exactly. They were just like, here, this is where you can stick the knife in our trillion dollar company. Oh, well. <laughs> it's insanely stupid. And it's it's very clearly the product of some screenwriter is like, kids play too much video games these days. Uh, and that's back at the beginning. I was saying the message of this is very like twisted in because it goes, oh, pop culture is great and everyone should like the pop culture things that I like and they're super cool and good. Also, you know, kids these days are too obsessed with pop culture things and being online and they should go enjoy the real world once in a while. I'm like, you can't have both of these. No, Stop they're not. That. The, in the, the fact that they early in the movie, they made a point of, of making it clear that the, the uh, Oasis let socially awkward people interact, that it let people who have body image issues interact, that it let people go to school, and he's still just like, eh, it's a big video game. I'm turning it off. Go outside and mow the lawn. It builds character. Yeah. Oh, God. Also, it, that is a thing that was sort of missing from this that I think was kind of in the book, that H was originally supposed to be trans, uh, not in the movie. Mm-hmm. And also, another thing... That's, God, that is another thing that, like, hey, here's a tool for anyone who has body dysmorphia to be like, I can just look the way I want to look and and live within a reality where my body conforms to what I think it should be, and oh, fuck. Yeah, I thought at worst this movie was going to be, like, stupid and inoffensive, you know, kind of just dumb, but the ending is such a just so blind, infuriating. infuriating, stupidest possible thing that it's it's offensive on a variety of levels. Yeah. 
And then that's Ugh. the end of it. That's li- the movie just, fa- he's like, yep, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And obviously it's him in voiceover over a shot of him making out with Samantha to let you know that he really just did this so he would have enforced makeout times because our hero doesn't have the fucking stones to log off on his own recognizance. Uh, he could just also, do it himself. <clears throat> one last thing. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. I'll save it. We're going to do our best and worst. We've been here forever. All oh, right. God, you're right. <laughs> Jeff. Give me your favorite thing in this movie. Uh, Lena Waithe, just in general. I, wow. I love her in general, and her H character is fantastic, and the part where she said, where, where uh, H has to be terrified in The Shining Hotel is, is pretty much the only interesting part of most of the pop culture shit in this movie for me. Great. Uh, I love that I love that uh she's the one who's like, no, my character isn't just a sexy version of whatever gender I am. It's a big genderless hydraulic orc monster. Ah. I'm way, I just, I love that. I wanted the whole character, the whole movie to be H and I would have been fine. You, your favorite thing. Ooh, baby. It's real hard. Yeah, once <laughs> I take the good say, one. <laughs> uh, Cause God, there's like outside of that, there's not a whole lot that I'm like, Ooh, this was great. Uh, I want to say probably the best thing in this is the way that they deal with uh, Sorrento, Ben Mendelsohn's bad guy. I was going to say, Ben Mendelsohn is a good second pick because he's always really good. And the way that they have him interact in the Oasis and what he does helps to show just how disdainful he is of this entire thing. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I don't fucking care about this video game thing. All I care about is making money. Oh my God, who could possibly care about this nerd shit? And all of his choices, like the fact that he has his password on his rig, I was like, yeah, he doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit about anything. It's yeah. just a letter replacement boss man. Well, he's a great character. Because there's a point where he has to con- he has to confront one of his own employees who's like a wet work hunter. And he's just like, you haven't gotten the job done. And she's like, what are you going to do about it? You're a fucking office drone. Why don't you just go back up and sit in your fancy chair? And he's like, ooh, I'm mad at you, but I'm going to go do that. Yeah, uh, you are correct. I am not going to get my hands dirty. So, <laughs> so yeah, Mendelssohn, the other good thing in this. Yeah, pretty much. Worst thing in the movie, Jeff. Now uh, down to one thing. Just Tuesday. one thing. Okay, fine. Tuesdays. Tuesdays. <laughs> I was going to say the fucking Tuesdays and Thursdays thing is far and away the stupidest, ham-fistedest, uh, idiot uh, idea of what MMOs are like and how the world would react to such a revolutionary tool. It is garbage. Yep. So that was that was my least favorite thing. What about you? Oh, there's so many to pick from. I know, the, there's a ton. The weird entitlement of the main character, the fucking... The fucking gender racism. politics. <laughs> the, yeah, the Asian characters. It's just fucking... There's a lot. One yeah. of the things I wanted to mention, though, yeah, is at one point, Sorrento is trying to like get Wade to join his side, and he's like... You can be on our salary, and if you get the egg, then you get like a $50 million bonus, and you'll make $20 million a year, and how does that sound? But also, he's like, you'll have your own mansion with the highest speed connection. And I'm just like, yeah, except when he's connected in like a junkyard, he can still play the most high-tech video game that's ever existed without any slowdown or glitches or errors. So yeah. How is that a thing that matters? Honestly, when he said that, I was just like, wait, what is it? What does the game look like from your perspective that it looks better than this shit? Yeah, because the fact that they before had had the whole bandwidth wars thing, I was like, wait a minute. Now you're making me wonder is like, is Wade rubber banding while he's doing this? Is there (laughs) 
<laughs> like, what's going on here exactly? Because you've established that this is a thing that matters and is a resource that you fight over. Now I have to wonder about it. The other thing, I we never really got a chance to talk about this, but there was a, kind of a, an honorable mention for shit from me, which was all of the uh, the nerd gatekeeping. Uh, like oh, the point, yeah. Like the point where... where uh, Parzival is trying to pick out an outfit to go on a date with, and he's like, I'll dress like a, like Buckaroo Bonsai. And H is like, she's not going to know who Buckaroo Bonsai is. If she's cool, she will. And then they go there, and she's like, Buckaroo Bonsai, that's super cool. And then there's a scene where he, where uh, Parzival confronts Sorrento in uh, cyberspace, and, and Sorrento has an earpiece that's feeding him the right nerd shit to say. He's like, "Don't I'm just like you, man. When I get thirsty, I crack open a can of Tab and play Robotron. Am I right? Plus, I listen to the Toad the Wet Sprocket just like you, bro. And he's like, fuck you. You're, uh, hello, you're not fellow cool. Kid. <laughs> yeah, he, he does hello, fellow kids. And he, the response is just like, fuck you. You're an old man, and therefore none of the shit you're saying is correct or real. Also, 100% no one cracks open a Tab. <laughs> They've been discontinued for 20 years at this point. Actually, that's not true. They actually were finally discontinued last year. Yes. <laughs> anyway, let's go ahead and give this a rating. We're each going to rate it from 0 to 5 for our full rating out of 10. Jeff. Classic definition of a 1.5, where all of the 1.5 is for the pretty shit that happens between the stupid shit that happens. Ha. Huh. You? Uh, I'll give it a 2 for essentially the same reason. It was watchable. There was enough, like, nod towards actual cyberpunk stuff that I was like, oh, this almost, if you cut out all the pop culture jerking yourself off stuff, could have been turned into an actual thing, but it wasn't, so it's a two. (laughs) Yeah. It's watchable, but meh. It's watchable on mute. It's it's that kind of, you're just like, oh, neat, look at that. Hey, Optimus Prime's in the background. Oh, cool. Is that Chucky? Hey, look. There's Chucky. That, oh. that dude just cut fucking Freddy Krueger in half. Neat. That's kind of cool. This is like watching Mortal Kombat 11. All right. Well, ah. I'm sure I'm sad they're talking. So <laughs> there you go. A three and a half for Ready Player One. Oh, just an boy. absolute toilet of dumb nonsense ideas. Just a dog turd of a movie. I did not like this. So thank you so much for joining us for our review of Ready Player One. We will, of course... Be back in another couple weeks with more Movie Mastery. But if you're hungry for more, we are starting a brand new season of TV Mastery. If you go over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash system mastery and join us at the five slash maybe it's $10 now level because we're switching from twice a month to once a month. But if you join us at that tier, it'll say you'll unlock the TV Mastery. We are about to record episode one of the new season where we are watching canada's own the littlest hobo and we have a super special guest for our first episode alex roberts is joining us the person who showed me the littlest hobo for the first time and opened my eyes to the magic of this dog oh america's preeminent expert on the littlest hobo it is the best thing ever and i cannot wait to record it and i cannot wait to share it with all of you so please head on over to patreon and join us for that it is going to be outstanding mm-hmm. i can't wait for so, it either yep thank you very much we'll be back later until then you have a good one <laughs>